Let's just commit this meeting to the, to the Lord, shall we? <coughs> Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come, and we can come in the name of Jesus, that powerful name. Lord, we pray that you would be with each one of us this morning, that you would meet us at our point of need, and that you would speak to us. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being able to come into your house, and we pray that your spirit would be amongst us this day. We pray for those who can't be here this morning, and we pray that you would be with them where they are too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Very often the, the guys who do all the lovely technical stuff at the back uh, want a title. Okay, so the title for this morning is God of the Little Things. Thank you for choosing those. I think Becky chose the songs, didn't you? Thank you. Brilliant. God's in charge of the little things, and there were quite a few of those things in, in there that are parallel to what I'm bringing before you this morning. But our God is mighty, isn't he? He's amazing. He's incredible. He's huge. He's wonderful. He's, um, words can't describe. You could go on and on and on and on, couldn't you? God is amazing okay but is he bothered about the little things well yes he is how do we know that he's bothered about the little things well last week Howard talked to us about David and he was the least of the family he was out in the fields being a shepherd, and when uh, they'd gone to choose someone, you heard the story last week of um, they didn't even consider to bring David forward to be chosen, um, but he was chosen of God. He was the smallest and the youngest in his family, and yet he killed a great giant, and he killed a great giant with a little stone and a little sling. So little things in God's hands can do great and mighty things. Jesus told stories to help us understand various things, and I'm glad he did, because I like stories. And my years in Sunday school, I really enjoyed telling stories. But one of the, one of the lovely stories that I do like is uh, the lost sheep, and where there's 99 sheep, and the shepherd's got those, and he goes off to look for the one lost sheep. And the one lost sheep was important to the shepherd. He got 99, but he was bothered about the one lost sheep. He knew the 99 were okay. He got them. He got them in his fold. This one was out wandering and was in danger. So he went after that one sheep. And that's like God, isn't it? Jesus is bothered about each and every one of us, as if there was only one of us. And he cares for those who are not in the fold yet. And we're glad that he does. Jesus, when he was on earth, looked for the, the frail, the lost, the weak people. I thought about different things in the Bible. There's lots and lots that I could have brought as illustrations, but um, the one I always like is, is the woman at the well when, he's, when he spoke to her. Now, she was somebody who, who 
no one wanted to speak to, not even the other women wanted her around when they were collecting water. And it would have been considered quite um, bad for Jesus to, as a man to be talking to this lady at the well in the middle of the day. And it would have been frowned upon. But Jesus took the time to talk to her and meet her at her point of need. And isn't that lovely? That he was concerned and bothered. He knew all about her. And he wanted to reach out to her. Another little we might think of in the Bible is, and one we used to sing of about in Sunday school, was Zacchaeus. Was a very little man and a very little man was he. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> he was also hated as a person, not just because he was little, but because he was a tax collector. Nobody likes the tax man. Ask Howard at the moment. We've had a, a battle the last uh, 18 months with the tax man. Nothing that we, no, we weren't diddling him or anything. <laughs> But Jesus took the time to speak to Zacchaeus and he even went to his house for tea. He didn't just talk to him there and then. He went to his house, he went to his home, he had tea with him, he spoke with him, he spent time with him. It was important. Those little things of just going and speaking and talking with him and having a cup of tea and something to eat with him showed how the compassion of Jesus. One from the Old Testament I want to bring as an illustration of Jesus being bothered about the little things is Joseph. And I, I love the story of Joseph. Um, and it's, it's really lovely. And Howard was saying, I think last week, that sometimes we see the whole story and we forget that when it actually happened, they didn't know what the end was going to be. And Joseph was there with his brothers and they wanted to kill him or shove him down a dark pit. And it must have been quite scary for, for Joseph. He must have been thinking, what, what on earth's going on here? My own brothers turning against me and wanting to kill me, wanting to throw me down a pit. But God was in control because at that exact moment, some traders came past. Now, they may have been trapped walking and on their camels or whatever for, for days, but they were in the right place just at the right time. The little detail that God needed so that Joseph wasn't killed and his brothers sold him instead. And we, the rest of the story is there. Uh, I know a lot of us know that. But God took care of the little things so that the big things could happen. I also like the story of Elijah. We were batting around a bit this morning. But Elijah went into a cave and he was waiting for God to speak to him. Now, he was in this cave, and a great strong wind came. And it reminded of me, we went, Joe's been to the Grand Canyon recently, um, so she'll know what I'm talking about, how vast it is and wonderful. We were on the North Rim some years ago, and I don't like heights. So being at the Grand Canyon was wonderful, but it was also very scary for me. And Howard and Stephen are much more interested in walking further forward and walking right onto the edge and giving mum, you know, the eebie-jeebies type of thing. So they, they walked on further out and I stayed and sat where I felt safe. And I remember sitting there and hearing this almighty awful noise and it was quite eerie and quite scary, almost like a, as like a low train or something. And it was the wind coming through the canyon it was, and it was a really scary noise. So Elijah is in this cave and he hears this great wind 
And he thinks, it's a great wind, so surely God will speak to me in this great and mighty wind that I can hear. But there was nothing. And then there was an earthquake. Not been involved in one of those, thankfully. Um, but that must have been quite scary with the earth was shaking. And God still didn't speak at that moment. And then there was a fire, which often happens after an earthquake. And still there was nothing. But then in the quiet, there was a still, small voice, a little voice, and God spoke to him. And it reminds us that we need to listen to the... Sometimes God speaks to us in a mighty way. Sometimes he speaks to us in a quiet, simple, little voice. And how important it is for us to listen to him and to what he has to say to us. And Elijah, we know, went on. He'd got a very important job to do. So God wanted to be very specific about what he told him to do. And he went and anointed Hazel as king and, and Jehu as king. And sometimes God reveals himself in the little. There's a story I came on, because I like to Google stuff. There's a story I came on to when I was looking at this. And it's, uh, I'll, I'll read the story out to you. Well, listen carefully, <laughs> then I'll begin. <laughs> okay, during World War II, a US Marine was separated from his unit on a Pacific island. The fighting had been intense, and in the smoke and the crossfire, he'd lost touch with his comrades. Alone in the jungle, he could hear enemy soldiers coming in his direction. Scrambling for cover, he found his way up a high ridge to several small caves in the rock. Quickly, he crawled into, inside to one of the caves. Well, although he was safe for a moment, he realised that once the enemy soldiers came and swept up the ridge, they'd quickly search the caves and he would be killed. As he waited, he prayed, Lord, if it will be your will, please protect me. But whatever your will, I love you and I trust you. Amen. After praying, he lay quietly, listening to the enemy begin to draw close. He thought, well, I guess the Lord isn't going to help me. Not in this one. Then he looked and he saw a spider begin to build a web over the front of his cave. As he watched, he listened to the enemy searching for him all the while. But there was the spider, strand after strand of web, across the opening of the cave. Huh, he thought, when I need a brick wall, what's the Lord sent me? A spider web. God does have a sense of humour. As the enemy drew closer, he watched from the darkness of his hideout and could see them searching one cave after another. As they came to his, he got ready to make his last stand against the enemy. But to his amazement, however, after glancing in the direction of the cave, they moved on. Suddenly he realised that with the spider's web over the entrance, the cave looked as if no one had been in there for quite a long time. Lord, forgive me, cried the young man. I'd forgotten that in you, a spider's web can be stronger than a brick wall. It went on to say, we all face times of great trouble, and when we do, it's easy to forget the victories that God would work in our lives. Sometimes he does it in surprising ways. 
as Nehemiah reminded the people of Israel when they faced the task of rebuilding Jerusalem. It says in Nehemiah 2.20, in God we will have success. That whatever happens in our life, with God, a mere spider's web can become a brick wall of protection. So is God interested in the small detail? Those are some instances from the Bible. So I started to think about what small detail in, in my life, in my experience with, with God, has there been? I remember an incident where, where mom had a, had a fall and um, myself and Howard were in London and we'd, um, we were helping him move from one place to another. Um, my brother was in Spain. So the only person up around here was, was Claire. And um, that's my daughter, for those of you who don't know. And mum was down at my house, and um, have we got the dog then, mum? You've gone to let the dog out? She's gone to see to the dog. And she went onto the front doorstep, and she fell and banged her head. And she had concussion, ambulance came, she had to be taken to hospital. She was in hospital about a week afterwards, weren't you? They realised she has got a brain, and she's... <laughs> <laughs> and she was okay but that morning she, she obviously couldn't contact us she'd, in her pocket she'd written down Claire's phone number for some unknown reason to her at the time and she put it in her pocket so that when she hmm? yeah so when she when she fell she'd got this phone number in her pocket to be able to tell people to phone Claire to let her know that so she could come and, and support mum and be with her. And that was only a, a little incident, you know, and that, and that reminded me that God is God of the, the little detail that he saw fit for mum to do that that morning. You know, sometimes we, we trust God with the big decisions and the big things that go on in our lives, and he, he wants to be interested in every little thing we do. When we were, when we were in Florida... The, the, the once, we'd, um, we happened to go when there was one of the worst hurricanes uh, on its way um, to where we were staying. So we, we got a dilemma. Do we stay where we are in Orlando? Do we do at least a 12-hour drive on a good day when there's no other traffic up north, away from the uh, hurricane, and then try and get a flight there back home? Or do we stay put? And we we we're going to see Cirque du Soleil, and we were in a, a McDonald's or something like that, and we were deliberating: what should we do? Should we do this? Shall we do that? Shall we shall we get, try and get a flight now? You couldn't get a flight. What what shall we do? And we went into the the theatre, which got you know I don't know how many it held, but it was a huge place, and we were sat there. And at the end, the couple that were next to Howard um, started up a conversation with, we'd got Lexi with us, who was only three at the time, and she'd sat spellbound for this. And he said, oh, she sat really well and was really interested in that, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we got talking and we got chatted and, and they were actually lived in uh, Orlando and Howard was saying, oh, we don't know what to do. Da, 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 da. And they, they said from their experience that we should perhaps stay. Then further into the conversation, we realised that these people are actually Christians. Then as we come out of the place, they actually, loads of people milling around, they said, can we stand and pray with you? Which, we're British and a little bit more conservative. 
um, we went, oh, okay. So in the middle of this concourse, of all these people milling around, this couple are praying with us. But God was in the detail. Out of all those people that could have sat in that place, he made sure that somebody had bought tickets to sit right next to us and could reassure us that it were to stay put. And we stayed put and we were, we were okay. But sometimes we forget some... There's little incidences that happen that we, we, we forget about these things and think they're insignificant. I remember, you know, we've been involved with children of Chernobyl and um, all we knew was in charge of setting up that charity. Happened coincidence, we call it a God incident, where she sat next to the guy on the plane who was in charge of Helping Hands, which is a charity, and, and that meeting helped to set up um, the Friends of Chernobyl's Children charity, which a lot of us have been involved with. And these chance meetings, these little happenings that happen, are, shows us how in control God is, that he's not just interested in the big things in our life, but in the, in the little things as well. As I said, we've just been to Amsterdam for a, a few days, which was, was quite nice. I've not been there before. And, um, you know, before you go on trips, you pray that God will be with you, da 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 da, da etc. And then sometimes you forget that you've prayed that. And we actually, the plane was on time, which is, is, is quite miraculous these days. <laughs> not only was the plane on time, but we got off the plane and we walked to the station. There was a train just in, so we just stepped on the train and it went straight away. Then when we got the hotel that was ready, we went down by the canals and there was a, we said, oh, we'll have a boat ride. Oh, here's a boat. It's going in three minutes' time and there's hardly any people on it, which is another miracle because... Amsterdam was chock-a-block because it was bank holiday that week. Uh, and we got on that and everything was, everything was fine. And, and some nights I've forgotten that we prayed for that to be so. But then we went on another boat ride another day and there were some Americans on this boat ride. <laughs> and um, there's a commentary on the boat ride. And um, these Americans who were sat behind me were very loud, as often they can be talking over, there's about five guys, talking over the commentary, and I was getting quite annoyed. I even sent a selfie, because Stephen had gone on somewhere else by then. I even sent him a selfie with an angry face of me. Uh, and I, I did go on about it quite a lot. <laughs> and it's like, you've had all these things in go wonderful, and you concentrate on the one thing that isn't quite as it should be. I don't know if you're like that, but I'm so like that sometimes with God. God can do loads and loads of wonderful things, and then one thing doesn't work as you think it should work, and it's like, what are you playing at? You know, this isn't right. It's a bit, a bit like another story I read, and there's a child, and they've been given um, presents for birthdays. We know that somebody's had a birthday at the back there. And, you know, they get the latest phone, the bike, Lego, the latest Pokemon cards, which are the, the best ones for exchanging with your mates at school. That seems to be one of the crazies at the moment that's driving us all mad. Um, and they get um, a bike and a watch. Wonderful things, and the child's sulking. Don't you like your presents? A watch. What have you bought me a watch for? 
I don't need a watch. I've got a phone that'll tell me what the time is. Nobody wears watches. It glitch me. And anyway, it's gold. And all my jewellery is silver. What on earth have you bought me a watch for? And you'd probably say, ungrateful, spoiled child. But sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes we can be like that with God. But he tells us in the Bible to count your blessings. In Psalm 103, verse 2, it says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He tells us not to compare ourselves with others. Jesus is the one who blesses and notices everything we do. He notices the little things that we do as well, and the little things that we do for him. And we have a lot of people in this church who do lots of little things, things that sometimes go unnoticed. God sees what you do, and he's thankful for all those little things that you might think they're little, but in God's eyes, they're big. We need to do what we can for God with the right attitude. In Colossians 3.17 it says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And in 3.23-24 it says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord and not for people knowing that it is from the Lord that you will receive your reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ who you serve. So it should be a privilege to us to serve him. In Galatians 6, verse 4 and 5, it says, Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. There's a song we used to sing in Sunday school, There's a Work for Jesus, Only You Can Do. And we have God of the little things, and sometimes it might be a little thing that he wants you to do for him. And it's sometimes the little things that can make the biggest impact. There's a quote that a good friend of mine um, stitched for me um, in, in, in cross-stitch, and it's a quote from Mother Teresa, and it says, We can do no great things, only small things with great love. And it's great that as a church, that's what I think we as a body of believers try to do, that our little things in God's hands will become great things. Maybe we think we're too small, too insignificant, too young a Christian, too old, too, too this, too tall, too short, too whatever. But remember, the five loaves and two fishes that the boy was willing to give fed 5,000. God has said a cup of cold water in his name will be blessed. Sometimes it takes just a smile, a thank you, a phone call, a little thing. When I was preparing this, it reminded me of a little thing that Pam did for, for me. It was the morning after my dad had died. And to be quite honest, I didn't want to see anybody. And um, knock came on the door, and it was Ron and Pam. And I was like, oh, I don't want to see anybody. 
And Herod went and opened the door. And <clears throat> we obviously, we didn't keep on the doorstep. They came in and everything and that. And I was glad they did, even though perhaps my first attitude wasn't, wasn't very good. It wasn't that it was Pam and Ryan. If it had been anybody, I didn't really want to see anybody. Um, but Pam came and she took my iron in. Now, to her, that was just, that was Pam, wasn't it? You know, if she could do something, she would do it. And that was just a small gesture, but that, to me, really demonstrated um, an act of kindness that was, was really appreciated. And I've, I've shared that act of kindness with other people sometimes <laughs> who aren't Christians. It's opened up the door of, of me talking to other people. And to Pam, it was just something that she would do. And she did. She took my ironing basket and she brought it back and it was ironed. I ate ironing, so it was really, really much appreciated at that time. But it was just a little practical thing that, that meant a lot. And there's a little um, story here I want to, um, to read to you of an illustration of that to someone else. <clears throat> it says, traffic. That word alone can cause my stress levels to soar through the roof. How many of us just stand, just cannot stand to sit in traffic um, for what seems like an eternity? It says, we ladies, sorry, and guys sometimes in this, yeah, sometimes. We ladies wear many hats and are often rushing around here, there and everywhere and juggling everything uh, all at once. We work inside and outside the home. We grow grocery shopping, run endless errands. We rush, 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 rush and rush some more. And sometimes you feel like you live in your car and this lady says, before I began working at home, I commuted over an hour each day to my job. And it seemed like a bazillion other people had the same plan. And my stress levels went beyond crazy. The traffic was endless. The sea of red brake lights was honking horns. I was constantly worried that I'd be late for work and pondered many hours I was losing, sitting in my car each morning. So fast forward, it says, to another traffic-filled morning. I had a meeting that morning and I knew that I'd be late. I finally made it to the cashier at the toll bridge and I feverishly reached for my purse to pay my toll and rush on my way, trying to get the money out quickly to pay. Imagine my surprise when the cashier told me that the car in front had paid my toll that morning. A giant smile grew across my face and tears welled in my eyes. That one kind act of kindness made my day, maybe even my year. It allowed my overwhelming schedule and overall busyness to squeeze the joy right out of me. Then God used a simple but beautiful, beautiful gesture of kindness to remind me how much he loved me. I vowed that morning that I would pass on that act of kindness. We all heard the, the term... Um, feed it forward, pay it forward um, and those acts of kindness and sometimes it doesn't take much sometimes you might not even notice those little things are little acts of kindness that God sees as great things because Jesus came not only to, to save but he came to serve and if it's good enough for him it's good enough for us and we should be serving him however we can, even in the, the little things. It says here in um, Matthew 25, 34 to 36, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, 
Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. There's another song we used to sing, whatever you do, I'm not going to do the dance, we used to do a silly dance to it, didn't we? Whatever you do, do it unto the Lord and not unto men. There's one last thing I saw on um, UCB, and this spoke to me as well on the radio, and it says, in our busy lives, we often say, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to do the other, I've got to, I've got to go clean the house, I've got to do the cooking, I've got to do the ironing, I've got to go and taxi somebody here and there, I've got to go and make sure so-and-so's all right, I've got to go to church, I've got to go to Bethel Bears, I've got to go to Manor House, I've got to do this, I've got... Uh, and it says, change one word, change got to get. I get to clean the house, I have a house. I get to make the bed, I have a bed to lie in. I get to cook, I have food. I get to taxi somebody somewhere, I've got a car to get around in. I get to go to church and meet with my brothers and sisters. That's one little thing that really spoke to me this last week. Instead of, I've got to, which overwhelms you, I get to do these things. Because let us remember that God needs a willing heart. He wants to be involved in all of our life, every little detail, and he wants us to have that relationship with him. He's interested in the little things, most definitely. <laughs>